listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. As we continue our series, Then Sings My Soul, looking at kind of the power of music and song, um, maybe I should apologize this is very self-indulgent for me. Like, I love to hear Mikel and Carol sing. And so I could always be setting up services so that I could hear them sing some of my favorite songs. Uh, and the same, too, would go uh, for Lainey and for um, Cassie and for the others who, who lead us in song and music. Um, most of you know that I'm an Appalachian American, right, which is another word for hillbilly. And the music of my homeland is bluegrass, really. Uh, so a banjo, a fiddle, a mandolin, and a harmonica, perhaps, maybe a tambourine. And I'm really at home. Now, uh, it would, shouldn't come as a surprise then, I think, that I'm also a big fan of country music. Now, being a fan of bluegrass and country music on the one hand... And being uh, Appalachian Pentecostal on the other kind of put me in a little bit at odds because I grew up in a fairly sheltered home and there was a lot of music that I actually wasn't exposed to. There was a lot of music that I didn't know. And I'm really going to date myself on this one. But there was a fairly popular conspiracy theory when I was a teenager known as backmasking. I don't know if you know this, is some form of pseudoscience, I'm pretty sure. But I was taught when I was a teenager that rock and roll bands in particular were subliminally putting messages in their song that you could hear if they were played backwards, which I wasn't sure. How are you ever supposed to play the song backwards? But I was told that if you played a song backwards, that there were messages in there. And those messages were going to kind of persuade you or tempt you to do things that were wrong. And the, the one in particular that I remember was uh, Queen's Another One Bites the Dust, which also was a very popular song at the local skating rink. So I remember one Friday night, I'm at the, I'm at the skating rink. I'm probably 12 or 13 years old just a young one, and another one bites the dust, starts to play, and I'm like morally in a dilemma, like what should I do? Should I skate or should I sit? Because, once again, I was told that if you played another one bites the dust in reverse, it said uh, smoke marijuana, <laughs> which again, it has as much truth as most conspiracy theories, I think, have, them, have in them. And that kind of pseudo-scientific uh, message that they often have. So, I said all of that. That was all a setup to say this. Um, I'm in a family that is not very fond of country music. Like, even my extended family, they're not country music fans. And sometimes they'll make fun of me as a, as a fan of country music. And they'll say to me, Robbie, do you know what happens when you backmask a country music song? Do you know what you get? You get your house back, your dog back, your wife back, your truck back. Right? Because 
That's a caricature, of course. It's not an actual characterization of country music. But for those who can't fully appreciate it, they sometimes offer this caricature that country music is just a bunch of ballads about loss, right? You know, you lose your job and you lose your spouse and you lose your dog, you lose your gun, you lose your truck, you know, and so you just go fishing instead or something like that. Now, I am, I would say, a huge fan of ballads. I like songs that tell stories. And I think that's part of the reason why I like country music so much is because I think their narratives are really quite strong. And I would say that of all the musicians, uh, Garth Brooks is probably my favorite. Like I could, I could have picked a number of Garth Brooks songs to use as an illustration in today's sermon. Uh, change, right? I do these things. There's this line in his song, Change, it says that there's a, a person who's kind of standing against the status quo, standing up against the pressure to kind of to just go along with how things are. And, and the person gets asked in the song, it says, um, you know you're not going to change the world. And the person responds, I don't do this to change the world. I do this to keep the world from changing me. And I'm like, oh, that's good. I should use that in a sermon sometime. Or he has songs about unanswered prayers. Um, there's one song, We Shall Be Free. It's kind of an anthem for, for freedom and, and tolerance and acceptance. But this song today in particular is probably my favorite of all the Garth Brooks songs. And again, I think you could critique this song and say, well, that's just a breakup song, right? It's a story about kind of love gone bad, love that's been lost. But I, th I think that would be a very kind of shallow take on what the song is really about. The song is about life. It's about a journey. It's about having vision that can see past the immediate moment. And if ever I feel like we need vision to see past the immediate moment, it's now. Like, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm really starting to suffer from some COVID fatigue. There's just so much kind of social distancing and mask wearing and hand washing that I can do before it just wears me out. Like I'm tired of it and it depresses me. I, I like people. I like to be around people. Uh, my, my love language is one of touch. I, I like to hug, you know, I, I like to, to shake your hand. I like to be near folk, and this is, this is not the time for that. But if we look at Scripture, Scripture tells us time and time and time again to remember. Right, this song, this song, the dance, opens up looking back on the memories of, the way things have been, right? I, that, that is such a reoccurring theme in Scripture. So, the Old Testament passage for today is out of Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 through 12. And it's the very end of Deuteronomy, and it actually tells the account of Moses' death. So this, I mean, to, to the extent that Moses was at least somewhat responsible for the production of Deuteronomy, this would be kind of a, a post-production uh, addition, 
right? Some comment about what happened. So Moses is on Mount Nebo, this mountain in in modern day Jordan, and he's looking at the promised land and he's not going to get to enter it. But God nevertheless kind of shows it to him. And then it says that Moses died and his life has been commemorated. And it says this, it says that never has there been a prophet like Moses. You have to think, the, the Bible opens up, you know, it's called the Torah or the Pentateuch, these first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And it's the story of covenant, right? It's the story of Abraham. It's the story of, of Moses. But we're only four books in, right, before we retell the story. Deuteronomy comes from two words. One that means like duet, like two. And the other, namas, which means law. This is the second law. So in Deuteronomy, all Deuteronomy is doing is retelling us Exodus, Numbers, and Leviticus. So why are we getting a story retold? Well, it's because Moses was old. You know how it is as we get old. We retell our stories, right? Over and over and over. And uh, I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness now, right? So if, I, if I'm telling you stories and sermons and you've already heard those before, you should just tell me. Like, hey, we've already heard that one, Robbie. Right? Don't, don't keep using that same story. Come up with something fresh, right? Spend some of your time coming up with some new illustrations, but we've, we've all had that experience, right, with a parent or a grandparent, and we've, like, we've heard a story, and we've heard that story kind of time and time and time again. And we could be impatient, and we could say, oh, I've heard that before. Or we could have a little bit of deference for our elders. And we could sit and we could listen again to the story. Because I think that's actually important. I mean, we get, this, we get the story of Israel in First and Second Samuel, and then we get more of the story in First and Second Kings. But then we have two other books that come along later, Chronicles. So First Chronicles retells the stories of First and Second Samuel, and Second Chronicles retells the story of First and Second Kings. And just in case you haven't started to catch on that we don't just tell stories, but we retell stories. Deuteronomy, retelling Exodus, Chronicles, retelling uh, Samuel and Kings. Then we get to the Jesus story. And we get the Jesus story in Matthew. And they say, you know what we should hear now? Another Jesus story. It's Mark. And having heard two Jesus stories, they say the best thing we could do now is tell you another Jesus story. It's called Luke. Now, we've heard this story three times. You might think we move on to a new subject, but not yet, not yet, because we're going to hear John, and John has all these things to tell us that the other three had, had not. This repetition, this kind of telling the story, and what this, what this does is it works on our memory. And at this point, this, this lesson really overlaps a bit or dovetails, hopefully nicely, with the sermon that Mikhail gave us last week about how our memories sometimes fail us. That was one of the funniest stories I've ever heard, that story that he gave about telling a story, and then he ended up telling it to someone, and it was, not, it was the other person's story, not Mikkel's. Like, <clears throat> there's a little bit more to that that you didn't hear. To this day, Mikkel can't remember the story that he told. 
He just remembers telling it to someone and someone saying, that's not yours, that's mine. Right? So all of that's funny, but it's true, too, that our memories do fail us. And part of the challenge, part of what works against us with our memories is sometimes when things are good, this is, this is part of what Mikel was saying last week, sometimes when things are good, it's hard to remember bad times. And his antidote that he suggested for us then is generosity. Like if we are generous during good times, that will help us to remember correctly that we too have struggled. And then of course, it's also difficult to remember well in the midst of bad times. And this is where I think the story of Moses becomes most helpful. When things get tough, we forget that things haven't always been this bad. This is where I find myself now. I feel like I've been in quarantine forever. Like I feel like I've been wearing this mask on my face forever. But it hasn't been forever. Right? Hard times makes memory difficult. And the antidote to which um, Mikkel suggested last week for that was mindfulness. Thoughtfulness. Prayer. Remembering well. And that's what I think songs like the dance uh, can kind of inspire us to do. Like, I really love all these songs that talk about a rite of passage. Right, that, that talk about kind of growing up and growing old and remembering our parents and, and, and having a vision for our children, our grandchildren, right? Probably my favorite song is by Mike and the Mechanics, a little known British band, and it's called The Living Years. It's one of those rites of passage songs. But, I mean, I like Cats in the Cradle. You know that one? It's kind of a sad one, right? Like more is, more is uh, caught than taught. Um, we tell our children, do what I say, not what I do. But of course, it never quite works out that way. People are more apt to do what we do than they are to do what we say. Because it's true. It's, it's a, it sounds like a platitude, but it's not. It's true that our actions do speak louder than our words. And so... If we're thinking about Moses and we're thinking about the struggles that he went through, the, the consequences for his actions, here, here's a man who has led the Hebrews and is known as the greatest prophet. And the end of Deuteronomy says there'll never be one quite like him. Yet he, he, doesn't, he doesn't ever go and kind of experience the promised land. There's this, there's this life that gets spent, and it's a wonderful life, but he never quite gets to experience that kind of ideal that he's worked so hard for. In the video, the music video of the dance, um, Garth Brooks decided to include some characters uh, as it tells the story about not just, you know, a breakup or kind of romance gone wrong, but of life and life lived and, and life journeyed. And one of those that he chooses is Martin Luther King Jr. He also chooses John Wayne and, and JFK. But 
So this, this, in the song, on a, very, on a very kind of shallow level, talks about how in romance you can feel like if you're the guy in, in a relationship, you might feel like a king, but then the king falls. But in, in the video, the king that's falling is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And imagine what our country might have been like if if Dr. King would have known what was going to happen and so therefore decided not to engage. Like life is worth the risk. And during a time of, during times like these, I want to remind you that, that life is worth the risk. I'm not, I'm not saying that we should be reckless. Like we, sh- we should all go out and find someone who currently has an active coronavirus and give them a big kiss. That's not what I'm saying. But, but I am saying that we need to have some, we need to be farsighted. We, we need to have some vision to look past and to look beyond, right? And in this case, it's not even looking forward as much as it is a way of looking backward, of remembering God's faithfulness and of realizing that if we had known, and we prayed this in the prayers of the people, we thanked God for today and we thank God that we didn't know about tomorrow. Because if we did know about tomorrow, we might withdraw. And life is too precious to withdraw. As I said, it's worth the risk. When we do uh, baby dedications, which as a pastor, let me tell you, one of the best things you ever get to do is a baby dedication, right? Baptisms, dedications, weddings. This, this is, you know, the icing on the cake for somebody who pastors a, a church. I would also say, not that I'm looking to do funerals. But to be with someone in the midst of those times is quite the honor, right? Because who who gets to be with you in those times? But the thing that I say at baby dedications, uh, you know, a lot gets said to the congregation as a whole. But as I get close to the families and as they're holding their little ones, I say this, the days may be long, but the years are short. The days may be long, but the years are short. It seems like my current dilemma is overwhelming me. Like I can't imagine getting through this. I can't imagine getting around this. I can't imagine getting past this. And that could be all sorts of things. I mean, particularly in the world in which we live, it it might mean that your, your job has suffered. You've lost your job or your hours have been cut. Your, your economic income is not what it used to be. Or maybe it's your 401k that's kind of diminished. And you thought, well, I was going to retire, but not yet. (laughs) Or you're trying to figure out, you know, how, how things are going to go forward. Or maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's a bad diagnosis. Maybe it's an additional 
condition that kind of keeps you even more quarantined, right? Speaking to, to my, my friends and family now who are, who are with us today virtually, online. I love you. I miss you. Uh, I see you. I know you. I know your names. You are loved. And what I want you to hear is that life is worth the risk. That what I want you to hear is that the days may be long, but the years are short. That we have vision that this too shall pass. And we'll suffer again. (laughs) This isn't the last time that, that we'll have tough times. But we won't only have tough times. We get to dance the dance. We get to play the game. We get to serve. We get to love. We get to live. And we serve a God who holds all these things and is working to complete all these things. This is the vision that we get. We get it in the Old Testament. Isaiah has a, a vision of the new heaven and new earth in Isaiah 65 and 66. But, and it's good, but it's not as good as it gets later. As Paul will say, in the end, God is all and in all. Christ, through whom everything was created and is sustained, is working. And the Spirit is at work. And that if we have eyes to see and if we have ears to hear and if we have hearts that can remember will know that, that somehow, some way, in this thing called life, in this dance that Garth is encouraging us to engage in, that there is um, an end goal. But before we get there, my encouragement for us today is to embrace, embrace life, to, to dance the dance. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.